Again, good morning, everyone. Today we begin a new series of sermons where we're going to look at seven different events in the book of Genesis that are around water springs or wells. We see that these that water is essential to life. As a matter of fact, for survival, water is more important than food. And what we see is God uses these, these watering places as gathering places, places where important decisions are make, made and events occur that really affect the destiny and direction of his people. Now this morning we're going to look at Genesis chapter 13. It's a familiar passage for some. And this is where Abraham and his nephew Lot had separated because of the watering area for their livestock was not large enough to sustain both Abraham and Lot's herd. So let's begin this morning by reading the narrative that's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 13. Hear now the word of God. So Abram went from Egypt to Nevaeh, he and his wife and all who belonged to him, and Lot was with him. And Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went on his journey from Nevaeh as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Parasite were dwelling there in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate before me. If to the left, then I will go to the right, and if to the right, then I will go to the left. Now Lot lifted his eyes and saw that the valley of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like a garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself the valley of Jordan. And Lot returned, journeyed eastward. And thus they separated from each other. And Abram settled in the land of Canaan. While Lot settled in the cities of the valley. And he moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, and all the land which you see I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if one, anyone could count the number of the dust of the earth, then your descendants would also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land for, through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came 
and dwelt in the oaks of Maram and in Habram, and he built an altar to the Lord. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. My cold is over with. I just got a little emotional during the prayer. Sorry about that. Now, <clears throat> during the sermon, I will interchangeably use Abram and Abraham. We're talking about the same person. All right. So Abram was his original name. Abraham was the name that God had given him. And just also to set a little bit of context here that uh, God, is, uh, God called Abraham to what we refer to him as the father of faith. Basically, through Abraham, God would develop the nation of Israel that would eventually produce the Christ. So we see that God's redemptive plan is seen here with Abram and the life of Abram as it is in the beginning of recording of Scripture in the book of Genesis. Are you all with me here? Say amen. amen. All right, good. All right, so I have a map here for you. Um, so that we can understand the context here. Because we see that God called Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Called him to be the father of faith. And we see that since chapter 12, uh, Abram has been on the road. We see that he left his hometown of Ur. And he traveled over a thousand miles to eventually pitch his tent somewhere between Bethel and Ia, And there at that place he built an altar and he called upon the name of the Lord. Now it wasn't long until a famine covered the entire land that caused Abram to leave this place between Bethel and Ai and travel 225 miles down to Egypt for relief. Now, in the second part of chapter 12, what you will discover is that Abraham uh, was deceptive and dishonest while he was in Egypt during this famine, to the point that the Pharaoh eventually escorted Abram out of Egypt. He got kicked out of Egypt. Now, what is amazing is to see that even though Abram had faith to leave his hometown and travel to a land for which he did not know where he was going, Abram did not have faith that God would protect him and his household when he went down to Egypt. Therefore, he resorted to fleshly techniques and devices because of his lack of faith in God. Instead of believing that God would protect him in every situation, Abram resorted to using lies and deceit while he was in Egypt. This is very important for you to understand as we proceed into Genesis chapter 13. Practically speaking, we often, each one of us, often come to situations in our lives where we either have to take a stand on the promises of God or compromise using worldly techniques. And this is the central question I ask the Holy Spirit to ask you today. Are you going to trust 
in the promises of God or are you going to compromise by using worldly techniques? Abraham, we see the text begins in chapter 13, went up from Egypt. So he's kicked out of Egypt. He goes up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot was with him. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 12 told us that he got a lot of this wealth because the Pharaoh gave him a lot of silver and gold and livestock just to get him out of Egypt. He got rich by using fleshly and worldly techniques. You ever heard people doing that before? So he went on his journey from Nagab as far as the place of Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning. Remember the map? I told you this is where he came before he went down to Egypt. Between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there formally back in chapter 12. And there is where Abram called upon the name of the Lord. All that's in reference to chapter 12. So we see that Abram's re return to the spot that he had previously pitched his tent. And what is interesting is God refers to it as somewhere between Bethel and Ai. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but God has a divine GPS. And uh, the voice on God's divine GPS doesn't say, go somewhere between Bethel and Ai. God actually knew where Abram was. But this is a key to us. Why doesn't God tell us the exact place? Abram is somewhere between Bethel and Ai. Now, this region is ideal for grazing and watering of livestock. And it seemed reasonable that Abram would return to this region, especially because of the large amount of livestock between him and his nephew Lot, especially after the gifts from Pharaoh. So at this point, a student of scripture usually jumps straight to the strife that occurred between Abram and Lot's herdsmen. But I'm suggesting to you to make that quick leap, you will miss the turmoil that is going on in Abraham's heart at this point of his journey. He had journeyed thousands of miles. And here he sits somewhere between Bethel and Ai. Now, I know that you know that names in the Bible have significance. Often names give us the, the idea behind what the person is experiencing. And in this case, Bethel and Ai both contain important meaning of what Abraham is experiencing at this point of his spiritual journey. Bethel means house of God. Let me explain it a little bit further. Bethel means house of blessing, house of peace, house of goodness, the house of God. And we, when we make reference to the house of God, we're not talking about some temple somewhere. We're not talking about some church house. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the house of God. The Lord dwells over all of his creation, right? It's talking about the presence of the Lord. So, so Bethel means the house of God. 
Whereas Ai means the house of ruin. The house of destruction. The house of ungodliness. The house of sin. And IA set, AI set in the same direction as Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe that God led Abram to pitch his tent somewhere between Bethel and Ai to demonstrate the turmoil that was going on in Abram's heart at this point of his spiritual journey. He knew that God had called him. He knew that God had blessed him. But in Abram's heart, he was somewhere between the house of God and the house of ruin. And brothers and sisters, we find ourselves in that place often within our spiritual journeys. Somewhere in between. It's amazing to me that Abram took a step of faith to obey the call, to the call of God to travel over a thousand miles to a place where he did not know where he is going. But then when he gets to Egypt, he becomes rich by using deceptive and dishonest means. And he says to himself, well, now maybe that's a good life pattern there. Maybe I can just continue to get rich. By lying and stealing and cheating and deceiving. But God had called him. God had a hold of his heart. And that's just not going to work with God. So God led him back to this place somewhere in between. Abram had to make a choice. Was he going to choose the house of God? Or the house of ruin. And brothers and sisters, we're often presented with that choice. Jesus taught us that a house divided against itself will not stand. Jesus also taught us that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. But it's amazing to me that people think that they can live somewhere between Bethel and Ai. You can live with one foot in the house of God and one foot in the world, and somewhat, somehow that's okay. It's not okay. It just won't work. God will lead you to a place where you're going to have to make a decision. Why? Because your life cannot sustain dwelling somewhere between Bethel and Ai. Your life cannot sustain it. And that's exactly where the text goes. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The land could not sustain them. Now even though this region, the text clearly tells us that it's well watered, it's green, it's 
And the, but the land is not spacious enough for both Abram and Lot's herds to dwell together. I want you to understand that, that, that they probably knew this when they showed up. It wasn't a surprise of how many cattle they had, how many sheep they had. They, 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 but why would they stay in this place where they knew it wasn't sufficient? Because God had to work on their hearts. We see, because of Abraham's in spiritual indecision, it dragged the whole situation to the point where strife surfaced between the herdsmen. I want you to understand that the strife was just an outcome, was just a fruit, was just a product of Adam's spiritual, excuse me, Abraham's spiritual indecision to choose between the house of God and the house of ruin. And that's what happens, is that when you try to live between two worlds, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, strife is going to occur in you, from you, around you. And that's what clearly is happening here. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If to the right, then I will go to the left. Basically, Abraham is saying, choose which way. Choose which way. Now, when you look at Lot's life, he has, Lot has two claims to fame. One is that he was Abraham's nephew. Second is that he is with Abraham. I put it in the sermon notes. You can see how many times the Bible says, and Lot was with him. Lot was with him. Lot was with him. That seems to be his calling card that, hey, I'm with him. <laughs> and notice that Lot had journeyed with Abram all the way from his hometown, all the way to Egypt. Lot had gotten the benefits from Pharaoh as well. And Lot now is also somewhere between Bethel and Ai. It seems like these two boys are going through the same problem. Now, Lot had the benefit of being with Abram. This is what made him rich. But now Lot must make a decision for himself. This episode is so reminiscent of Joshua's challenge to the people of Israel saying, Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. No longer could Lot benefit from Abraham. He must choose which way he was going to go. Now, brothers and sisters, many of us have benefited from Christian parents, Christian spouses, family members and friends who have encouraged us and motivated us to be people of faith in Christ. But it's important that we understand that we cannot enter into the house of God riding on someone's coattails. You, yourself, have to choose who you're going to serve. The house of God or the house of ruin. We must choose. I came across this quote. I thought it was very powerful. Quote, what a man chooses... And how a man chooses 
when opportunities and alternatives and choices are put before him, nothing more surely discovers what a man is than that. And the fact of it is that we are faced with thousands of decisions in our lives. Thousands of decisions. And many of these decisions really are spiritual in nature. Whether we're going to serve the Lord or serve the world. Either we're going to do it by the way the Lord tells us to do it or we're going to do it by the way the world tells us to do it. Many times in these times when we're in this position where we have to make a choice, spiritually we feel like we are somewhere between Bethel and Ai. And the Lord has brought us there to make a decision. And through that decision, we discover who a person really is. Lot chose for himself the Valley of Jordan. Well, why not? The, the text tells us that the Valley of Jordan was well watered. It was like the Garden of the Lord. It was like the Garden of Eden. And then it compares it to the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. It must have been clearly beautiful. It must have been clearly greener on the other side of the fence. But the text then tells us that there's a problem. And that is that the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Now, that is one statement you don't want on your resume, all right? Now, these people weren't not just wicked. It says they were wicked exceedingly. They progressed, they built on their wickedness. It's like, this is not good. Let's do this. No, that, no let's do, we did that last night, but let's do this. These guys are wicked exceedingly. And then just to say it, they're just sinners against the Lord. The idea is that they knew exactly what they were doing. The Lord's not condemning them. What he's saying is like, they purposely sinned against me. And this was common knowledge. So when Lot chose the Valley of the Jordan, he was choosing the house of ruin, even though it looked like the Garden of Eden on the outside. Let me just tell you what the prophet Ezekiel tells us about the people of Sodom. First of all, they were arrogant. Secondly, overfed. <laughs> I love that. Third, uh, unconcerned. Fourth, they never helped the poor or the needy. Fifth, they were haughty, and six, they did detestable things before the Lord. Listen, this is not what you want to put on your job application. These, this is bad news. But it seems that none of these things were a problem for Lot. As a matter of fact, it seems that the culture of Sodom was more attractive to Lot than the spacious countryside that he just chose. And this is the problem. Many times the culture of this world, it draws us and attracts us. And we become more attractive to the culture to this world than the spacious countryside that the Lord is willing to give us. We see the text tells us that Lot eventually moved his tents 
from the, val- from the cities of the valley. You see it there? He moved his tents from the cities of the valley and went and lived in downtown Sodom. That's what he wanted. The text makes it clear that Lot chose the valley of Jordan because it was well watered. But the reality is, is that Lot was attracted to the sights and sounds and smell of Sodom. The Apostle Peter tells us that Lot lived out the rest of his life oppressed by unprincipled men... And his soul was tormented day after day with their lawless deeds. Wow. Clearly, we see that Lot chose the house of ruin instead of the house of God. Brothers and sisters, the world pulls believers like a magnet into itself. And the world wants you as it draws you in to receive the cultural norms of this world as being acceptable. As as this world draws you in, wants you to accept its cultural norms as being okay. And they want you to lead you to the conclusion to say, you know what, it's okay to live in Sodom. It's a lie. It's fake. It's not real. Real. What real, what's real is, is that you will live the rest of your life oppressed by unprincipled men and you will be tormented, tormented day after day with the lawless deeds of others because you have chosen Sodom, the house of ruin. But the Bible tells us, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The world is wanted to draw you in that you would be conformed into its standards, into its opinions, into its mindset, into its worldview. It wants to draw you into that. But the believer has to stand back and has to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We must do this so we can prove what the will of God truly is. Brothers and sisters, believers must purpose themselves to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to transform their minds so that they would be able to obey the will of God and not the will of this world. You have to purpose yourself to do this. To cooperate with the Holy Spirit... If not, you will get sucked in. We must constantly purpose ourselves to dwell in the house of the Lord. As the psalmist declared in our call to worship this morning, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's only one thing important for you. And there's only one thing that you should seek. And that you would dwell in the presence of God. And not amongst those who live in the house of ruin. If you don't seek for it. The house of God will slip away from you. And you'll be sucked up into Sodom. Oh preacher you're really getting dramatic huh. 
I'm trying to make some sense to you here. After Lot separated from Ad, uh, Abram, Abram settled it, the Bible says here, in the land of Caden. And the Lord said to Abram, Lift up your eyes and look from the place for where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, and from all the land for which you see, and I'll give it to you and to your descendants forever. Here we see that God reaffirms his promise, promises to Abram. Yes, Lot had chose the perceived paradise of this world, but Abraham is able to enjoy the promises of God. So which will you seek today? Will you seek the perceived paradises of this world? Or will you enjoy the promises of God? The psalmist taught us, the judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether, they are more de desirable than gold, yes, much more than fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. <laughs> Praise be to God. We dwell in the house of the Lord by seeking the precepts of God in our lives. In the decisions that we have to make along our spiritual journey, we seek the Lord for His guidance, from his word to lead us and direct us so that we might dwell in the house of God instead of in the house of ruin. Abraham was a rich man, but he understood that his greatest treasure was dwelling in the house of God. And even though Lot moved his tent closer and closer and closer and closer to Sodom, we see that Abram moved his tent from somewhere between Bethel and Ai to dwell in the oaks of Mimram, and, which is in Hebron, and he built an, an, an altar there. So as Lot is moving closer and closer and closer and closer to Sodom, Abraham is moving closer and closer and closer to this other destination. And what's interesting is the names that are given here. Meram means fullness, and Hebron means fellowship or communion. So we see as, Abraham, as Lot was drifting more and more and more and more into Sodom, Abram was becoming closer and closer and closer and closer with God. And that's what happens when you make a righteous decision. You gain sweet fellowship with God. Clearly, Abraham chose to dwell in the full communion of the Lord. That was the thing that he valued the most, not his possessions. And no longer was Abraham going to live in this indecision. No longer was he going to live with one foot in the world and the other foot in the house of God. Abraham knew that he needed to separate himself so that he could focus on the promises of God. And therefore, Abram moved his tent and built an altar to the Lord, and that is what I am encouraging each one of us to do today. To move closer and closer and closer to full communion with God and to separate yourself from the world. As the scriptures tell us, therefore, come out from amongst their midst and be separate. 
In closing, I, I want to challenge us this morning by the grace that we have through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will move our tent. Move our tent from somewhere between to a place where we can build an altar. I don't know, you'll see it, often, you'll see it occurring often within the scriptures, this idea of building an altar, building an altar. And the idea is that these are special and precious moments. And you need to learn, you need the Holy Spirit to teach you how to build an altar. Where you come to the point where you say, listen, I'm going to make, this is a mark in my life. This is a time when God has really, really, really spoke to me. And I'm going to build an altar right here. I'm not talking about some bricks and stones and all that kind of stuff. Let's don't get weird. I'm not talking about candles and statues. and stuff. I'm talking about spiritually, you are making an altar. God, you have really called me to this place at this time. And I'm choosing you. I'm challenging each one of us to pull away from the magnetic drawing of the world on your life. To pull away from this, this, this worldly conformity that haunts after us. And to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our minds to the Word of God. I'm asking you to make a clear separation between yourself and the world. I'll, I'll close this morning reading this beautiful passage from the Psalms. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and even yearns for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is my sun and my shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold to those who walk uprightly. The Lord of hosts, how blessed is a man who trusts in you. And will you be that blessed person today? By trusting in the Lord and dwelling in the fullness of his presence. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you today admitting the fact that even though you've called us, even though you've led us on a spiritual journey, we often come to the place in between, a place of indecision. Situations and circumstances come upon us and we begin to ponder, well, maybe I should just do it the world's way this time. And then you speak to us. You call us into yourself once again. And you call us out to be your people. Lord, help us to be a people that draws our tent, moves our tent closer and closer and closer to full communion with you. Lord, minister to our hearts that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever, all the days of our lives. And we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.